98K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. Tonight's headlines. Beijing compares the violence linked to the anti-government protests to a political virus. People sign up for free reusable masks online. And Xi Jinping says uncertainty lingers about the COVID-19 outbreak. The Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office has likened the city's protest violence to a political virus that needs to be eradicated or the SCR will never return to calm. Priscilla Ong reports. The Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office has once again stepped up the rhetoric against the city's protest movement. In a statement, an HKMAO spokesperson described the violence from the demonstrators and their intention to bring about mutual destruction as a political virus that's destroying Hong Kong's stability. The office under the state council says these dark forces are enemies of one country, two systems, and that those in power should perform their duties in accordance with the law and suppress them. The statement said since last June, protesters have openly challenged one country, two systems, trampled on the rule of law, disrupted public order, and worked to destroy the city's stability and harmony. Now that the COVID-19 situation in Hong Kong has eased, it said protesters are making a comeback. Referring to what happened on May the 1st, the office condemned radicals for flouting a ban on social gatherings, staging illegal assemblies and hurling gasoline bombs at police vehicles. Political commentator Chung Kim Wah, who is also the deputy CEO of the Hong Kong Public Opinion Research Institute, says he doesn't believe Beijing's latest comments would deter those unhappy with the government here from taking to the streets and voicing their demands. Most Hong Kong people clearly see that um, in the last few months, especially under the, the virus, the most hate-creating violence comes not from those who are protesting against the government, but from the, from the police and the government itself. So I, I don't think this is going to, to, to convince Hong Kong people that the existing situation in Hong Kong is to that extent we have to make a very strong and clear uh, reaction to cancel out the demand of the, of the protester in the last year. The government says nearly 1.38 million people have signed up for free reusable masks on the first day of registration. Wendy Wong has more. The one-month registration period opened at 7 this morning, with a website suggesting the waiting time could be up to an hour. For some people, the webpage took about 10 minutes to load. By 10 a.m., the total number of applicants had crossed half a million, and it passed one million by noon. In a statement, the government says the average wait was about one to two minutes. As many as six people can be registered at a time. The website warns information such as the names, days of birth, and identity card numbers as well as one delivery address for all the masks. Speaking on a radio program, the IT secretary, Alfred Sitt, brushed aside criticism about the look of the new reusable masks, with some people saying they resemble underwear. He did point out that the reusable mask can be worn and washed every day, like people's underwear. On the registration process, Mr Sitt said it's been smooth so far. He said those who have signed up will get a text message in several days before the masks are delivered within two weeks. The IT minister also said the government is planning to distribute replacement filters for the masks in future. Hong Kong did not report any new COVID-19 infections today. There hasn't been a local coronavirus case for 17 straight days now. In another sign, life is gradually returning to normal. Seven major libraries have reopened for the first time since March. But the opening hours are shorter than usual and a quota system is in place to limit the number of people allowed in. At Central Library in Causeway Bay, some said they're happy to be back. 
but suggested the arrangements could have been better. That's a very long waiting time, but I think it makes sense because they're trying to be safe as well. So I think it's okay, but personally, I think after hearing that, I might not go into the library. I can't wait that long. I think there could be a way that they could be more efficient with things. Like, I don't know, maybe they could put it up somewhere that there's a number of people that can go in so that people even come here, you know, are aware of what's happening rather than coming all the way and just finding out about it here. President Xi Jinping insists there should be no let-up in the country's efforts to battle the coronavirus outbreak. Mr Xi today chaired a top-level meeting on epidemic prevention and control in his capacity as General Secretary of the Communist Party. He says there's still uncertainty in the COVID-19 situation and Beijing will offer support for Hubei province and the city of Wuhan in their efforts to fight the outbreak. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is just coming up to five minutes past eleven. The head of RTHK, Leung Ka Wing, has told his staff to produce fair and unbiased programmes. The director of broadcasting also reminded them to abide by the one country principle. Priscilla Ong reports. In a letter issued to all RTHK staff, Leung Ka Wing said the public broadcaster has remained in the spotlight over the past few months, with an abundance of both complaints and praises over several programmes. He wrote, since last August, many complaints were especially linked to the social unrest, some accusing us of spreading hatred. He insisted RTHK has never considered any individuals or groups to be its enemy and had handled all complaints professionally. The director of broadcasting also reminded all staff to comply with the RTHK charter, adhere to the one country principle and produce fair, objective and unbiased reports and programs. He stressed RTHK has pressed on through hardships since its establishment 92 years ago and has never once gone back on its original intentions. Mr. Leung's letter came as pro-Beijing lawmaker Junius Ho called for the public broadcaster to be merged with the Information Services Department, saying it doesn't deserve government funding if it refuses to serve as the administration's mouthpiece. The Customs Department says it's made its biggest ever seizure of illegal dried shark fin. The 26-ton haul is worth an estimated $8.6 million and arrived in two shipments originating in Ecuador. Ken Chan from the Agriculture, Fisheries and Conservation Department said he estimated about 38,000 sharks would have been killed. They're from two species that are considered vulnerable to extinction, thresher and silky sharks. One man has been arrested in connection with the case. Customs Commander Danny Cheung explains why they thought the shipments were suspicious. This consignment was declared as dry fish, but in Spanish. It is unusual to describe some imported goods in a foreign language apart from English. Also, the uh, exporting country was Ecuador. In the past, we have affected cases related to this kind of goods. Across the border, tens of thousands of students are returning to school for the first time in the province of Hubei, where the coronavirus epidemic broke out last December. At the moment, only pupils preparing for exams are being allowed back. BBC's Robin Brandt reports. Wuhan was locked down on the 23rd of January, and it stayed like that for 76 days. Almost a month ago, the city was opened up to the rest of China and the world. But only now are children getting back to classrooms for face-to-face -face learning. Senior high school pupils are the first to return. 
Class numbers have been halved so that pupils have space to sit apart from each other. Temperatures are being taken and recorded several times a day. Schools across China have started a phased resumption, but many younger students under the age of 10 are unlikely to return at all this year. The Disneyland theme park in Shanghai will reopen on Monday under enhanced health and safety measures. The company said only limited attendance will be allowed initially and visitors will need to book tickets and make reservations in advance. Social distancing will be maintained in lines for amenities, in restaurants, on rides and other facilities and sanitisation and disinfection will be boosted. The theme park has been closed since late January. With warmer weather and new virus cases and deaths falling to near zero, the mainland has been steadily reopening parks, museums and tourist sites. Taiwan is pushing for greater involvement with the World Health Organization. Health Minister Chen Shi-chung has asked the health body to ensure Taipei had access to first-hand information about the coronavirus. Mr Chen says not having the full picture slows down epidemic prevention work. Beijing is against the island's WHO membership under the One China Principle. Beijing has warned U.S. President Donald Trump not to use tariffs as a weapon in a row over COVID-19. Mr. Trump has threatened to impose additional tariffs as he attacked China for the way it handled the coronavirus outbreak. The foreign ministry in Beijing says tariffs in general hurt all parties involved. The European Commission says the coronavirus pandemic has caused Europe's worst economic shock since the Great Depression of the 1930s. It expects the eurozone economy to shrink by 7.7% this year and warns that the eventual outcome could be even worse. Here's the EU's Commissioner for Economic and Financial Affairs, Paolo Gentiloni. It is now quite clear that the EU has entered the deepest economic recession in its history. The EU economy is expected to contract by a record 7.4% this year, 77 in the euro area, more than in 2009. 2009 contraction was around 4.5. Across the Atlantic, American private employers laid off a record 20 million workers in April as mandatory business closures in response to the outbreak savaged the economy. The plunge in private payrolls, shown in the ADP National Employment Report, suggests that national lockdowns to slow the spread of COVID-19 could leave lasting scars on the US economy. Climate experts say because of the pandemic this year, we'll see the biggest decline in carbon emissions ever recorded. Emissions from the use of fossil fuels are expected to fall by up to 8%, a drop which could be six times bigger than that recorded during the financial crisis in 2008. Dr. Peter Gleick is the co-founder of the Pacific Institute in California. Without a doubt, we've seen some remarkable improvements in the environment during this terrible pandemic. We saw this in China very early when air quality improved. We've seen it in India, in the United States, all over the world. We've seen some of these temporary improvements in air quality as our economies have have suffered. But the key point is that they're temporary. And as the pandemic winds down when it does, as our economies ramp up, Unless we're smart, we're going to go right back to the same kind of polluting economy we had a few months ago. The head of a charity which protects African wildlife, Tusk, says the coronavirus pandemic is the biggest threat to conservation in his 30 years of working in the sector. The number of coronavirus cases across Africa is relatively low. Despite this, the tourism industry has collapsed. Charlie Mayhew said his organisation expected to lose 2 million US dollars from cancelled fundraising events alone. 
This is definitely the biggest threat that we've seen to the conservation world uh, in the 30 years that I've been uh, working, you know, in it. You know, we've had the the real pressure from the illegal wildlife trade, and that is ongoing. There are also reports of an increase in poaching and the loss of income for wildlife reserves, making it harder to pay rangers to protect the animals. Sport now, the German Bundesliga has been given the green light to resume play this month amid the coronavirus pandemic. Chancellor Angela Merkel announced a loosening of a range of containment measures after holding discussions with the country's 16 state governors. The earliest the league can resume is May the 16th behind closed doors. The German Football League will later come up with the exact date for the reopening. The Bundesliga is to be the first of Europe's top five leagues to return to the field. The head of the Players' Union in England has suggested that playing halves of less than 45 minutes could be an option if it helps to get the current season completed. The PFA's chief executive, Gordon Taylor, said those making the decisions need to be flexible. We don't know the future. What we do know is what propositions have been put, what ideas have been put, the possibility of having more substitutes, games possibly not being the full 45 minutes each way, they've taught us got neutral stadiums, there's lots of things been put forward, try and wait and see what the proposals are and then have the courtesy to let the managers and coaches and players also assimilate all those and come to a considered view. If everything looks positive and promising, you wouldn't be thinking of uh, matches being played until the round about the middle of June, I would estimate. North American baseball fans who are smarting from the suspension of play because of COVID-19 can now watch games from South Korea. Baseball is now underway there, and the American sports cable giant ESPN is showing it in the United States. BBC's Betty Glover reports. South Korea's baseball season has begun after a five-week delay due to the global coronavirus pandemic. No fans were allowed in and referees and coaches wore masks. With currently no Major League Baseball in the United States, US broadcaster ESPN is among those who've signed up to show Korean baseball. Widespread testing, intensive contact tracing and tracking apps have enabled South Korea to limit the impact of the virus. Mind of our top stories tonight, Beijing compares the violence linked to the anti-government protest to a political virus. People sign up for a free reusable mask online and Xi Jinping says uncertainty lingers about the COVID-19 outbreak. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's Newswrap programme. Political commentator Chung Kim Wah says a new statement by the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office appears to be paving the way for local authorities to clamp down on pan-democratic forces ahead of LegCo elections later this year. The office had said a recent resurgence in anti-government protests must be suppressed and likened protests to a political virus that's destroying stability in Hong Kong. RTHK's Jim Gould asked Mr Chung, the deputy CEO of the Hong Kong Public Opinion Research Institute, what he made of the latest comments. Recently, we know that the Hong Kong and Macau office are becoming more and more higher profile and started to do something. One person trying to scare people away from supporting the anti-government movement on one hand. And on the other hand, I think they are trying to build up some accusation and justification for the government to act strongly or act more violently against those pro-democratic members so as to make 
uh, election of LegCo later this year uh, to have a more favorable context for the pro-government side. I think that's the background, background of this. And the acquisition is clearly uh, out of the context of Hong Kong because most Hong Kong people clearly say that um, in the last few months especially under the, the virus, the most hate-creating violence come not from those who are protesting against the government, but from the, from the police and the government itself. So I, I don't think this is going to, to, to convince Hong Kong people that the existing situation in Hong Kong is to that extent we have to make a very strong and clear uh, reaction to cancel out the demand of the, of the protester in the last year. So does this imply then uh, that we're going to see uh, tougher measures imposed uh, in Hong Kong to clamp down on the protests? I don't think so, because uh, in the last few weeks, we know that some young people are coming out again, and they are trying to express their anger and concern about uh, what's happening in the last two or three months. But when the police come out and to combat that quite small scale, basically peaceful demonstration, I think anger in the public is building up again. So with the government and the pro-government side, or even including the Hong Kong office, they are trying to modify the violence of this basically peaceful and relatively mild demonstration. I think Hong Kong people is not going to accept that accusation because in the last two months, we know that one million, two million, or more than two million people come out. And even though they are not coming out again or not being able to come out again, their enemy against the government is still clearly demonstrated by opinion poll in the last two months. Chairman of a patient's rights group, Alex Lam, is urging the hospital authority to relax restrictions on hospital visits as quickly as possible. Mr Lam from the Hong Kong Patients' Voices says visits from families and friends could help the sick recover and give solace to those suffering from terminal illnesses. He spoke to RTHK's Jimmy Choi. Those who are suffering terminal illness and their, their days are counting, they will expect their family members to go visit them on a daily basis. And those um, patients who had um, operation done so that their mobility is uh, limited, so if their family members can go visit them and uh, serving them with food or helping them to, to do some cleaning, uh, that will be important for their recovery. But because of the uh, suspension of the, the visiting arrangement, those patients uh, may not be able to receive this um, visit. The um, hospital authority said that they would allow hospital visits in special circumstances. Do we know how often the authorities would allow such exceptions? We do not have a clear uh, guideline as to how this uh, kind of uh, service can be offered. Uh, according to the announcement, they will be doing uh, what, what they call a compassionate ground. And as far as I know, um, those staying in the uh, pediatric ward and children's hospital will uh, get visits from their uh, family without any uh, suspension currently. So, as the uh, pandemic appears to have eased, do you, do you think it's time for the government to start allowing at least some hospital visits or relax some of its current restrictions? Yes, I, I think it is uh, something the hospital authority should make uh, planning for uh, the resumption of uh, visiting arrangement uh, because you can't make things change uh, overnight. There must be some stages, especially when the uh, pandemic situation 
uh, is improving, there may be some time and some stages in Hong Kong to, to really get uh, back to normal. And that may take time, and the hospital authorities should uh, make plans for uh, resuming their service or visiting arrangement in stages. We, we expect the authority to make announcement as quickly as possible because uh, those staying in the hospitals are expecting um, the resumption of a visit by the family. Also, have you been discussing with the uh, authority over the matter? Yes, yes, I have discussed with uh, um, certain people in the hospital authority about the possible uh, arrangement in the near future because we see that schools are going to resume uh, later this month. Public exams is, is underway and uh, civil servants are back to their, uh, their workplace. Um, law courts are, are resuming their services. So the hospital authorities is um, considering plans for visiting arrangement will be um, resuming when things are getting better, but uh, subject to certain uh, important considerations such as the uh, social distancing uh, requirement or other um, consideration in terms of uh, pandemic um, control, uh, hygiene measures. Um, this sort of thing is that they have to uh, make consideration before uh, imposing this uh, uh, arrangement for visitors. Customs officers have made what they say is the biggest ever seizure of illegal dried sharks fin in Hong Kong. They estimate that fins from around 38,000 sharks make up the 26-ton haul found inside two containers shipped in from Ecuador. Fins are believed to be from thresher and silky sharks and are estimated to be worth around $8.6 million on the market. Anna-Marie Evans asked Gloria Lai, the Senior Conservation Officer for Sustainability at WWF Hong Kong, if these sharks are endangered. They are all threatened species and they are already listed on the appendix two of CITES and it means uh, the international trade is managed strictly and uh, they have been obtained for permits in order to have international trade. And in the past five years, from 2014 to uh, 2018, uh, there were 31 shark fin cases and so they accounted for six pounds. So this time, 13 tons in a single case is terrific, and it is very worrying. And it definitely puts serious risk to the existence of these threatened species. Yeah, indeed, 38,000 sharks. I mean, that's the one that these are the ones that they actually got discovered. So, do you think that the trade is far bigger? Yeah, definitely. And uh, for other uh, uncontrolled um, shark fin seizure, we are not sure if there are many cases which are not discovered yet. And uh, the traders, they often mix the controlled fins with other uncontrolled shark fins. And if there are not strict monitoring, and actually these um, illegally caught or illegally traded fins, they can still come to the Hong Kong city. Now tell me about the two d d species of shark. Uh, for these two species, actually for the silky sharks, um, they are the second most commonly traded in the fin trade market. And they can be found in different oceans around the world. And so it, it is quite easy to be caught. And it is now already on the vulnerable list on IUCN red list. And uh, for the fresher sharks, um, we uh, think it may be come from the pelagic fresher sharks, and it is uh, oceanic and wide ranging in the Indo-Pacific. And uh, they are already vulnerable, or one species, they are on endangered species list on the IUCN. 
Now, um, I actually thought that uh, shark's fin consumption was on the decline in both Hong Kong and on the mainland. Um, yeah, in general, I think consumers uh, in Hong Kong, they are now more aware of protecting sharks in the last few years. But I think the cultural value of consuming shark fin is still there. And the people there are still consuming shark fin soups in weddings and business banquets and family events like the Mother's Day. So uh, with the Mother's Day approaching, we are also worried that people will still have the mindset of consuming shark fin as very uh, valuable thing. And so it is very important for the restaurants and hotels to stop serving shark fin as well as for corporations to set up their no shark fin policy to make sure they don't consume and they don't trade any shark fin anymore. Now when the shark is caught, it's normal, isn't it, that, that uh, they basically hack off the fin and then leave the shark to drown? Um, there is some shark finning practice in the world, but uh, with WWF globally efforts, uh, we are advocating different fisheries and to have better management. And um, we, we basically um, touch on the sustainability of catching sharks instead of um, just discarding the shark, fin, uh, the shark body to the ocean. And uh, in terms of, you know, this case, um, I mean, do you work then closely with um, customs in order to see how many sort of seizures is this? You know, this is a huge one. But um, is this has this been rare or have you had many over, say, over the past year? Um, there were 31 cases in the past five years. And uh, we think this time uh, the value and also the volume is very huge. And that's why we have to make sure that customs and ASCD and they are working uh, really hard and they have to monitor better. And we uh, and other uh, NGOs in the Hong Kong, we will work together closely to make sure they have better monitoring. Philippine legislators are pushing to get the country's biggest broadcaster back on air amid widespread shock and dismay over an order by the industry regulator for the station to cease operations after its 25-year license expired. Aides to President Rodrigo Duterte also sought to distance him from the move against ABS-CBN, insisting he no longer had an axe to grind with the station despite past grievances. Anna-Marie Evans asked our Manila correspondent Alan Robles why the broadcaster was ordered to stop operations. She said its franchise expired. The franchise is renewed every 25 years. And it's not as if the company was not working on it. It, was, it had a pending application. In fact, it had repeatedly applied to renew it. The franchise renewal is in the hands of Congress. And Congress has been making sounds that it's going to renew it. Yes, we'll get around to it. But I think the main problem is the fact that uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Duterte said he was furious at ABS-CBN and vowed that under him, the franchise would never be renewed. And this is something he said several times. Now, the, the cause of his anger is apparently the fact that uh, when he was campaigning for president, he tried paying for some political ads with ABS-CBN and they never ran them. So that's the ostensible reason he's furious about it. Although the network's president or CEO apologized for any uh, shortcoming it might have had and uh, Duterte accepted it recently. But notwithstanding that, the company still did not get its license renewed. So what does this mean for Philippines media coverage? 
Well, uh, the network is the biggest. It's a multi-billion peso network, so it has a wide coverage, and people will be uh, uh, will find their channels blank when they tune into uh, the uh, the TV stations and the radio stations of ABS-CBN. Now, the franchise doesn't cover cable or internet, so ABS-CBN is continuing to transmit on those uh, on those media, but. Uh, everyone in their heart knows it's really a press issue and that Duterte has this isn't the first time Duterte has expressed hostility towards the press he has tried to move against several other press groups more famously uh, the online group Rappler and then the other one is the largest newspaper in the Philippines the Philippine Daily Inquirer Police in the U.S. state of Utah say they were shocked when they pulled over a car being driven erratically to find a five-year-old boy behind the wheel. He'd taken his parents' car after being left in the care of a sibling. Here's the BBC's Rory Gallimore. Police video shows a 4x4 weaving listlessly between lanes at about 50 kilometres an hour. Its driver is asked to pull over by an officer and he promptly obeys. And then, a surprise. How old are you? You're five years old. The boy told the officer he'd left home with a clear goal, to drive to California to buy a Lamborghini after his mother refused to buy one. He was carrying $3. The ambitious journey only lasted a few kilometres, a feat he managed by perching on the edge of the seat to reach the pedals. Local prosecutors will decide whether to press charges against his parents. Those stories are part of the NewsRap programme, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Uh, Robert Kemp from our newsroom... The Education Bureau's study subsidy scheme for designated professions or sectors has been expanded to cover self-financing subdegree programs. Students admitted to designated self-financing subdegree programs in the 2020-21 academic year will receive an annual subsidy of up to $21,400 or $37,300 depending on the program. For details, search online for SSSDP and visit the designated website. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December, we'll have moments to remember. 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 Oh yes, this is it. This is it. Nostalgia time with Ray Codero. From now until 1 a.m.
Cavallaro. Yes. I have ex- experience with that band. I met him at the Lee Theater when he was performing. He was pounding on the piano so much that he got caught the tuner in to retune the piano again. <laughs> Evening shadows make me blue. See you. 